This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 377 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Wutzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund reaching the German Cup final by beating Holstein Kiel and if the Black and Yellows can keep their winning streak alive against RB Leipzig as they are in hot pursuit of the Champions League spots. For that and more joins me Matthias Zug. Hello Matthias, how are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm doing quite well. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, it's a nice Thursday in Philadelphia. I tried to play some soccer today, but uh, a friend of mine who I usually kick the ball around with did not have time. So um, instead, I played a little bit of Rocket League, which is also why <laughs> uh, this episode will be cut short a little because I actually uh, made uh, plans with my friends. <laughs> from Germany to play Rocket League in uh, 45 minutes-ish. So, Matthias, that means uh, by then we have to sort of be wrapped up. Um, but uh, the good news is there is uh, not that much to talk about, I feel like, because due to the result, um, Dortmund uh, had, you know, it quite easy going against the second division side uh, from Kiel, who, um, as everyone knows... Uh, had to be in quarantine for, I think, four weeks and then uh, now play a lot of games. And uh, yeah, Kiel looked a little depleted. Dortmund obviously were without Erling Haaland. Uh, the um, uh, reason for his absence was a Charlie horse. Um, but as we record today on Thursday, um, he is yet to return to team training. So I'm not entirely sure what's up with that, but we'll talk with that in a in a minute, so Matthias, um, a 5 nothing win, all goals uh, before the halftime whistle, a brace by Gio Reyna. Um, what uh, was the uh, game for you like? A lot easier than I expected, to be honest. I was expecting much more from Kia. I mean, I'm glad to know that our expert, Stefan, <laughs> picked the scoreline Perfectly. <laughs> I just didn't think you picked it after for forty-five minutes. No, I, I was I was a bit anxious when the five-nothing yeah. uh, uh, went in. Uh, I think wasn't that the the deflected uh, Bellingham shot? And I was like, I okay, maybe so. maybe pr my prediction is not going to hold because it's already five minutes. And there's still a whole half to go. But uh, yeah, yeah. After that, it was as we say in German, Schongang Fußball. So I mean, they just put it kind of in neutral and cruised at home uh, after. At least after the third goal, you know, it was kind of you kind of knew it was going to happen. Kiel at that point. I mean, they still tried. Uh, Finn Bartels was probably their most active player, which does say a lot, given that he is definitely towards the end of his professional footballing career. And uh, but they were also kind of like, all right, there's no chance of coming back in this one. We're not going to make the cup final. But we are definitely right in the mix for promotion to the Bundesliga. I will caution Kiel a little bit there. You know, I mean, yes, we have quarantine and all those extenuating circumstances. If Kiel get promoted, 
they really need to upgrade in a lot of places because it was it was just so easy for Dortmund to stroll through them and score goals. I don't really recall Dortmund having quite that easy of a game in a long time in the first 45 minutes. Yes, Kiel had their opportunities. I think they also uh, struck the frame with the goal once. But overall, it just never really seemed like Kiel were going to do much. The second half, Dortmund were kind of like, yeah, all right, we got five goals. Let's not let's not go too crazy here. And but unfortunately, of course, you know, the big the two big takeaways were easy win, you're in the cup final. And the other one, of course, is unfortunately Matteo Moray uh got a quite massive injury. And I remember having it on and then just hearing the scream. And I was like, oh, boy. And then you saw the replay. And as someone who has blown every ligament in a knee before, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is this is not good. Just the movement of his leg and his body. I was like, that's that's everything gone. I haven't looked at what the diagnosis is. I think it got revealed today or yesterday. I didn't really look any uh, deeper into it other than it's probably really, really bad. And given that he is a young player who's already, you can say, injury plagued in his career. He was at Barcelona. He has been at Dortmund. And to have this happen, obviously his season is done. Uh, I think there's a good chance that 2021 is done for him. And that's that's really upsetting for a player that I feel has had a good trajectory and development overall in 2021 and now you kind of lose a lot of that because you're rebuilding you know your physicality at this point yeah so he i think he tore his acl he tore an outer lig ligament and uh do, do you also just say the capsule was torn or what what whatever happened uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how uh this uh sort of translates but basically um he uh had surgery now and he will have to uh, undergo surgery again because uh, they haven't even uh, tried to mend his, uh, uh, I think ACL. So um, obviously it's it's really devastating because um, as as you said he he already had a pretty bad injury um, when he was still playing for Barcelona's under nineteen, and then this shoulder injury um, right before. Um, uh, the the season started um, when he joined Dortmund. Um, that was also really unlucky, and uh, this injury again. And it was it was really gruesome. Uh, I could uh, I I sort of regret even looking uh, when they showed the first replay because I was nauseous for pretty much the rest of the day. And I I feel, I I don't know. I just felt really sad to be honest. Uh, that was the overwhelming feeling for the rest of my day. I couldn't even really enjoy. Um, reaching the cup final because I I just feel really uh, I just felt really bad for the kid and uh, yeah that's obviously uh, a big shame because he was just finding his feet again in, in Dortmund you know there there was this um, period where you Matthias uh, uh, where I would say is is hellbent fair on on selling him or at least saying that he's probably not Dortmund Loan. caliber. I just didn't think he was good enough. Yeah, at that time he was he was a defensive liability. At yeah, that time. he was. He he definitely was, and he he did turn it around and uh, improved. Uh, he's obviously not the best right back in the Bundesliga by far, but at least uh, he he obtained uh, or attained a level where. Uh, you can rely on him a little bit, and obviously uh, he was ahead of Meunier in the packing order, 
Um, <laughs> obviously, the detractors would say that that's not hard to achieve, but uh, nevertheless, um, yeah. So that's that's obviously a, a big bummer and uh, a big blow, especially I think I think he what came on for Pischek in the uh, what was it sixty second minute or so, and then uh, like ten minutes later he was already uh, carried off the stretcher, and yeah, it's obviously a super painful injury, and. Uh, you know, Tessic said after the game something uh, along the lines of you people know the player Moray where we know the human being Moray or the person that Matteo Moray is. And uh, you, you could just see that uh, the entire team was really, uh, yeah, really, really shaken by this um, because I think he's very popular in the team. And uh, yeah, uh, that that obviously sucks. So... I just wish him a speedy recovery and hope that uh, this is not <laughs> that this is not career ending like it was for Dario Scuderi, for example, um, be because this is obviously a very big injury, you know, and uh, yeah, a knee should never bend like this. But uh, I, I also kind of already want to move on because uh, this is bad enough. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to have the metal image. So Matthias. Um, other than that, obviously, um, we had the 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 brace by Gio Reyna. Um, what do you make of of this? I mean, obviously, it was against his second division team, but uh, nevertheless, I thought uh, he had a, he had another good game. Yeah, I mean, if you take all the caveats out of it, I think it was a a very good game for him. Also, in terms of continuing his form trend and confidence trend, because he's very clearly a young player that relies on confidence. Like he's not at that uh, professional level where you can will yourself through difficult times. Like I believe Marco Royce has done this season quite effectively. Whereas he's still a player at the young age where the head drops and everything just drops. Uh, there's no picking himself back up. So having games like he has in the last few weeks, given the importance of these final four games that don't want to have to play this season in league and cup final. It's perfect timing um, for, for this to happen because it gives Tazic more options to work with and makes Dortmund a little bit less predictable in that aspect. So I thought it was great from him. I thought Michael Royce had a good game as well. So overall it was, it was a, the perfect timing for this match. Actually, if you look ahead to what's, what's here to come in the next uh, few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I was right with my prediction. Um, obviously, it's also luck, but I think um, we we saw exactly what I predicted, you know, to put the 5-0 prediction into context and that Dortmund will take this game 100% seriously. And uh, I also think that the, the pitch honestly helped them because they wanted to play football and they tried to combine a lot. And... Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say the goals minus maybe the Bellingham strike, uh, which was deflected. They weren't really fluky. You know, there were some really great uh, build-up moments in there. Um, I'm a big fan, again, of, of Lukas Piszczek and the way he uh, finds other players in half space. I think that's uh, very helpful. Um, on, on the other side, we had Emre Can with a very good assist. That think, uh, was it the one to Royce? Uh, I'm... I think so. That was also a very well taken goal. And uh, I mean, the the first three goals, you know, Reyna scored in the 16th minute. Then you had Reyna again, uh, 
which was uh, another cool goal because I think there were like a couple of back heels in, involved in there and an awesome through ball. Um, and uh, then you had Marco Roy scored in a 26 minute already. And uh, that really, uh, yeah, ended the competition. You know, Hazard obviously in a, uh, was it the 32nd minute or so, just, you know, pouncing on the on queue mistake and then Bellingham again, this deflected goal. And that was that. Um, and I think for Dortmund and for their entire swagger, if you will, this really helps because uh, they once again showed to themselves that, uh, you know, they can they can play football. Because at, at this point of the season, you know, obviously results are important and whatnot. But... Um, Having some some uh, some playing culture, I think, is also equally important. And uh, if if players gel and and make that happen, um, I'm very happy about it because, to me, a whole season is also about development. And there are obviously stretches uh, where you play your best combination football, and maybe at the end you run out of steam a little bit, and then uh, things get a little uh, uh, tense again. I guess that that's that's usually the course how a season goes. But uh, for Dortmund to dissect Kiel the way they did, um, still is a very positive sign. So um, that I guess uh, is encouraging for the next two games against Leipzig, um, and of course uh, the uh, Saturday match against Leipzig, which is uh, for Dortmund another home match. So uh, <laughs> we just looked it up before in the uh, head-to-head and. Uh, from uh, the many games Dortmund uh, played against Leipzig, uh, from from the many home games uh, Dortmund only won two, <laughs> but obviously uh, Leipzig, with the uh, poor history they have, um, it's only been four he- four home games against Leipzig, and uh, I guess uh, was it, I think it was in 2019 this uh, weird three three draw where. Um, Dortmund threw the game pretty much away because uh, I think Julian Brandt scored this work, Klaus Groll, and then straight after halftime, Dortmund just gave two goals away and then you had uh, Dortmund made it 3-2 again and then uh, I think Patrick Schick, you know, I don't know how, how close it was That's to correct. the end, but he he, he equalized again. But um, in the last two games, Dortmund were clearly the better side and um, uh, Dortmund did win... Uh, Two nothing and three to one against Leipzig, um, and I think that those games and both happened in Leipzig were uh, one of the most dominant outings by Dortmund, where they were clearly uh, the better team and clearly deservedly won. And uh, Leipzig did not look good in either of these games, and that's sort of what I'm hoping for again. That's uh, Dortmund play at their absolute best and I think they're in a shape right now where they can achieve that and uh, Leipzig maybe play the, the way they did against Liverpool. I also don't know, Matthias, I guess that's the, that's the first question to you be, before we talk about anything else. Um, how do you think um, having the cup final changes the approach of Leipzig because Dortmund have two must-win games, but for Leipzig, this is not a must-win game. They're already qualified for the Champions League. They're not going to win the championship. So in the Bundesliga, they can, you know, not reveal their hand or whatever you want to call it and uh, choose different tactics or different player styles or I don't I don't know. Um, how do you think uh, Julian Nagelsmann, the Bayern-bound Julian Nagelsmann, uh, 
will approach this and, and Leipzig, do you, do you think they will sort of maybe even throw this game in, in uh, the hope that they can then surprise Dortmund in the cup or is it just silly? No, I don't think they're going to throw the game. I do expect a rotated side. Um, you know, the cup has a huge importance to both of these coaches who both will not be coaching these teams next season. We can't forget that. Eden Tazic probably has the greater motivation overall because this is essentially his boyhood hometown team. So he wants to win that, but he knows the the other big goal is get Dortmund into the Champions League. So you have to beat Leipzig twice in the span of just a few days. For Leipzig and Nagelsmann, I, I do expect a rotated side because for Nagelsmann, this next week, Thursday, is his first real, uh, well, I guess not his first opportunity at a title, But he could sign off from Leipzig with a cup win that is very, I'd say the chances are very good that he could do it. I mean, Leipzig are very good. They're not outmatched by Dortmund. In fact, you may even make the case that they're a little bit better than Dortmund uh, overall. And, you know, in the current state, if Dortmund aren't 100% fit, I think 100% Dortmund fit Dortmund versus 100% fit Leipzig, and it's a push. But it, I'd say the motivation is clearly focused on Thursday. And Nagelsmann will look at this match, I would assume, as a way to, you know, kind of analyze Dortmund a little bit further ahead of the big cup match. So I do expect, uh, what is this, another third time I've said it? I expect a rotated Leipzig side. <laughs> I don't think they're going to throw it because at the end of the day, any player that's on the pitch wants to win. Um, and uh, for Leipzig, it's kind of like one of those things. For Dortmund, a win against Leipzig means a lot for the fans. For Leipzig, a win against Dortmund means a lot because obviously there's the back and forth between a real club and a marketing franchise <laughs> in Leipzig. Yeah, when, when you that, said means a lot for the fans for Dortmund, I, I expected you to say it means a lot to the brand for Leipzig. <laughs> well, and it, it means a lot for the people that do go to the stadium in Leipzig. You know, there's a massive inferiority complex there, rightfully so. And uh, because they keep on being told, rightfully so, that they're not a real football club, that they are just a marketing franchise brand and nothing more. And so if they get a chance to put one over on a club like Dortmund that leans very heavily on its history, tradition, passionate, large fan base and so on, then they revel in that. So I think, and for Nagelsmann as well, because again, next season he's going to be at Bayern. And as such, you know, Dortmund are the one of the biggest with Leipzig. Those are the two main contenders against Bayern for the title. So there's there's a lot of motivation here, but I don't think that motivation is necessarily going to uh, crystallize itself in the Bundesliga match this weekend. I think that's all going to come out in the cup tie next week, Thursday. Yeah, it's it's a bit of an odd one <laughs> that uh, uh, the schedule, uh, you know, puts the cup final and the league game so close to each other. Um, there's not even a week between. And uh, I don't know. It's it, it's funny, too, because Dortmund absolutely must win uh, the the league match. Um, that's in, in 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 the in the bigger context, maybe even more important for Dortmund because uh, requalifying for the Champions League will obviously help them um, a bit more uh, uh, financially and and uh, obviously in the, in the long term for the future. But it on 
in the meantime, you obviously want to uh, win the cup when you are in the final. Um, no doubt about it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's also weird because Leipzig right now are a bit of a weird side for me because um, they have been sitting quite... Um, um, Yeah, quite easily in second place. I mean, they had the title push for going on for a little bit, but then they lost to Bayern Munich, and I think that ended sort of their title hopes. Um, then they beat Werder Bremen four to one, um, and then a draw, scoreless draw against Hoffenheim, uh, a freak loss against Cologne, then a Tunnel win against Stuttgart, and then obviously the 120 minutes against uh, Bremen again, where they scored very late uh, in in the uh, overtime of extra time. <laughs> so, yeah, that was obviously heartbreaking for everyone who just wanted to see some freaking penalties because the game itself wasn't really uh, good between Leipzig and Bremen. But that's sort of also the point I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make here is that um, Leipzig, I think, have massive struggles when it comes to finishing their chances. I think this is probably the, the biggest problem they have this season, you know, and there's this... Uh, debate going on sometimes whether um, had they had Haaland uh, who obviously was a Salzburg player and he was in the Red Bull franchise if you will um, if they had him as well whether they would be champions or at least uh, very close to um, Bayern right now because of uh, all the uh, chances they create but not finish but at the same time um, right now I often feel like Leipzig you know don't necessarily play at their highest level um, that I've seen them play this season. Um, they are often uh, very... Um, I mean, they, they, they keep a decent amount of possession, but they do like some urgency to really go forward and, and, and push for it. And uh, this is obviously something that Dortmund have been guilty of for, for uh, great parts this season too, but it's, it's weird uh, to have Leipzig... Um, be be prone to that as well. I'm not entirely sure what the reasons for that are because I don't. I I honestly don't really watch them much. And Matthias, uh, I have a hunch you have the same. So uh, I don't know if you have a diagnosis from afar or you don't. <laughs> not really. I mean, I try to avoid them like the plague. Personally, uh, I I because I I hate them and everything they stand for and represent. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I, I watch them against uh, Dortmund. I do watch them in the highlight shows, but I try to make it a point about not sitting through any games that they're in just because I just every time I see that shirt, it, it just ticks me off. So I just assume not. I know that. That doesn't necessarily sound very professional if you're looking at it from a coverage of the sport in the league, but uh, I don't really care. So, no, <laughs> I, I, I think it, it, it's fair enough. So, um, what what I find um, wh when you talk about what uh, Leipzig have that Dortmund do not is, I think um, obviously their goalkeeper is better than Peter Gulashi, and uh, I think with Upamecano and uh, Konate, um, you have two absolutely top defenders at centre-back, but uh, that being said, even those are uh, prone to errors. Um, that uh, also happens to them. And I, as as much as it pains me to say it, since he did play for Dortmund once, but Kevin Campbell, I think this season has been quite uh, pivotal for them in uh, midfield. As a holding midfielder, he has been um, not only running around a lot, but I think he has uh, uh, given this team a lot of structure and uh, the way he plays 
the way he distributes the ball. Um, I'm I I I think that he has become a key player for Leipzig. And uh, if you've seen Campbell play for Dortmund, and uh, was it was it Leverkusen where he went after Dortmund? I I don't even remember really, but um. The honest truth is, um, you you could see shades of that, but um, now he has been way more consistent, and obviously, um, the the other players as well are also on a, on a pretty good level. I mean, uh, be it Mikhailo or Haidara in midfield or Zabitza, um, I I think they are all playing a good season. Angelino has a fantastic season as a as a left back or wing back or. Uh, However, you want to call it. Um, his crosses have been uh, really fantastic and uh, been been quite a danger. And you can see um, that Julian Nagelsmann usually finds a way to make a left back or, or left wing back uh, shine. Uh, he has done the same to Nico Schulz, if if you will. But uh, Angelino is certainly the better footballer, and uh, you you can see how that works. Um, obviously, I think the. Uh, the the problem that Leipzig have are called uh, Zerlot, Olmo, and uh, Paulsen because uh, neither of those players right now are um, really um, as uh, prolific in front of goal as they should be. And of course, uh, one of the Leipzig stars usually is Emil Forsberg, but he is also having a really weird season. Um, obviously was involved in uh, in the winning goal. Um, because he he scored it, and of course, um, a, a player that I always fear, and maybe that's just from from a Dortmund perspective, I'm I'm a little uh, traumatized. But uh, Hwang Hee Chan, because he is obviously uh, South Korean, and I feel like uh, South Korean players somehow always score against Dortmund. Um, but if if you look at the the squad that they have and uh, the consistency, I don't think they were really injury plagued. This season, um, you you can see why they finished second because it's a, uh, I I think minus the striker position, it, it's a really well-rounded squad and uh, it's not a very old team either. So um, they have played a lot of very dominant and very physical football, and I guess you can if you want to commend them for that. But uh, I don't know, kind kind of feels weird to always say, oh well, Leipzig are doing great work. Yeah, well, um. If you have like eight farm teams uh, across the world, uh, I, I guess it makes things a bit easier. I mean, <laughs> Jesse Marsh, uh, who will replace Nagelsmann, is uh, basically from their Austrian farm team, and he before then trained uh, their uh, New York farm team. Matthias, I don't know about you, but to to me that's that's almost uh, you know an insult to to the com- to competitive football as it is, because I feel like they have uh, an advantage that they just should not have. Yeah, and aren't they? Isn't there another striker, uh, Daka, who is coming from uh, Salzburg to Leipzig? I believe. Um, yes, Patson Daka, who I, I remember reading, he will be the most expensive Zambian player. Um, okay, but the key thing is he's coming for. Odds are not a fair market value from Salzburg to Leipzig. And that is a, a path that many have tread before and many will tread again. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, Dortmund and Bayern, they have their second teams. And that's not the same thing because Leipzig obviously also have youth teams on top of that along with professional-grade teams. Now, 
having affiliate clubs that funnel players is becoming uh, more commonplace. I mean, you see it like Wolves now have a very tight connection with Grasshoppers in Switzerland, where they'll send a lot of players out on quote-unquote loan. I know Vitesse have had that for a long time with Chelsea. Uh, Lille uh, and Boavista in Portugal have that type of setup, and you're seeing it more and more. And obviously Manchester City have that with New York City FC, Melbourne City, and so on. So I feel like it's a, a direction that more and more are going. The Pozzo family has done this for years with Udinese and Granada and so on, and Watford. But with Leipzig, it seems significantly more egregious because for the most part, these are teams that have just been completely artificially created to funnel this type of system uh, and to funnel more overall marketing awareness of Red Bull, which is just, it's funny to me because I don't feel like that's really a brand that needs the marketing awareness. I mean, they're already thrown up everywhere else. So it's just a weird one for me, in my opinion. I don't think there are a lot of people that have never heard of Red Bull at this point anymore, but you know, Coca-Cola keeps advertising and you know, I think everybody's heard of them before. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, I just, it, I hate it so deeply. And, and when the super league thing came up, which is also, also the kind of the, the ultimate commercialism and over globalization of the sport, uh, which is the dark side of globalization of the sport, you know, Leipzig or Red Bull, not Leipzig, but Red Bull fall completely within that same sphere. And it's a little bit different than the affiliate links that I mentioned before, because this is clearly just focused on a non-football-oriented system beyond that. And that's what just makes it significantly more egregious, especially in the 50-plus-1 environment that is German football. Yeah, definitely. It's I don't know. I feel like the, the existence of Leipzig is just a slap in the face. I mean, I'm happy for every East German club that can make it in German football, um, but please let it be Dynamo Dresden or, so, or so, some club and not... Um, or anybody. I mean, any Magdeburg, a European yeah. Cup winner's Cup winner. You know, it's, and the people that keep on saying, yeah, but Leipzig, what's the difference to Wolfsburg and Bayer Leverkusen and Bayer Uerdingen back in the day? I said, well, those are Werksvereine. They were founded, you know, a hundred years plus ago for the people who worked in the factories. That's not what this is. And as far as East German football, I've always said Ebbe Leipzig picked Leipzig not because they care about East German football, but because it made sense. You had a stadium already there. You had a region that was devoid of any professional team. And they could just, and they are gobbling up any any talent of any decent level in Eastern Germany and completely gutting all the traditional clubs there, whether they were East German clubs or Eastern German clubs, so pre or post um, the DDR, GDR, uh, they they are just gutting them completely. There's no reason for a for a Michael Balak type player or Marcel Schmelzer type player to even consider the youth team of Chemnitz at this point anymore, because you'll have Leipzig come in and offer them big money. And their family's big money. And you combine that with the fact that most of Eastern Germany is economically more depressed than Western Germany, certain regions notwithstanding, of course. But on average, 
And that's just an, a proposition that these families are forced then to consider and take. And I don't blame them for doing it. I blame Leipzig for doing it, but I understand why they're doing it. That doesn't mean I like it, but they are completely gutting East German football in this way. They're making it less competitive for East German clubs. And that's why I personally, I just don't believe under the current framework and with Ebbe Leipzig being who they are, that we will see a real East German football team uh, beyond, say, Union Berlin right now competing in the Bundesliga for quite some time. I don't see Rostock. I don't see Dresden, Zwickau, Chemnitz, Karlsheis, Jena, Magdeburg pushing into the Bundesliga in the foreseeable future. So enough about Leipzig, Matthias. Uh, let's move on to Dortmund, uh, where we obviously still have to talk about the lineup. Um, I wouldn't make too many changes to the team that beat Kiel. However, um, there are a couple of names I would probably shift around. Uh, Dahoud, I assume, would be back in the starting lineup for Emre Can. And uh, if uh, Haaland can make it, then I'll put him in for Hazard. I think I would not drop Giorena at this point. I just don't see too, ma too many reasons right now to change things up. I mean, you have Pischak on, on, as, as a right back. Uh, you get Hummels back, I, I think, as center back after he uh, set his suspension uh, against Wolfsburg. Um, Akanji is in a in a really good form, and I feel like we have maybe uh, underappreciated it on on the yellow wallpot a little bit on uh, what a fantastic form he is in right now. And as a left back, obviously it's going to be Guerrero, even though uh, I think I've spotted a Marcel Schmelzer back uh, in uh, on on a training pitch um, this week, which uh, obviously it, it would be fantastic if he could get a couple of minutes some somewhere uh, before he uh, ends his Dortmund career. Um, so there's that. But Matthias, um, Dortmund will have to replace Jude Bellingham. Um, so it's Dahoud. And then is it going to be, is it going to be John for you or is it going to be Delaney? It has to be Delaney. I mean, for me, it has to be Delaney at that point. Uh, just because, I mean, John offers also the combative nature and is probably a better box to box player overall, better, uh, physicality than Delaney. But Delaney is the cooler head. I just feel like you kind of need that against Leipzig. I mean, if you're going to go with a uh, central midfield trio, then obviously you play all three. But given that you don't have Bellingham as a backup, it'd probably be better to just do a double pivot and go with a 4-2-3-1. And then for me, it's got to be it's gotta be Delaney and Dahoud. Yeah, the question, if you were, if you play uh, a 4-3-3 and you say play Delaney, John and Bellingham, um, do you then put uh, Royce, Reyna, and, and Sancho up front, or would you then put Hazard in there instead of Reyna because he is uh, um, he has a bit of a different playing style than, than Reyna? I think you meant uh, Dahoud instead of Bellingham uh, in the yeah, 4 yeah, 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 sorry. But no, I, I would play Hazard over Reyna then to start with simply if you care about defensive responsibilities. Reyna's become better in his defensive positioning and tracking back and stuff like that. But Hazard, in my opinion, is a bit better than that. He's also a bit better as a presser and he's better at holding on to the ball than Gio Reyna. And given that you have the cup match in a few days, I think that may not be a bad one to make, even though I hate breaking up hot streaks for players. So in that case, <laughs> you know, I... If you're going to go 4-2-3-1, you know, then you've got Sancho, Royce, and I'd probably put Reyna 
behind Holland. If it's 4-3-3, yeah, you can make the argument for Sancho Royce and Hazard. Uh, and basically, if you don't have Holland as a striker, to rotate them through those three positions, because all three could play all three positions. Yeah. Uh, I I agree. It's it's a tough one, but I'm sure Tessic will figure it out. Um, I mean, it's also important that you bring something off the bench that can really help. Um, because uh, against against Leipzig, you will at some point will make a substitution. I really hope it's uh, not going to be around the 70th minute. I, I think that Dortmund bring on some fresher legs uh, sooner rather than later. Um, because that's just very important. And then of course, uh, I don't know how the cup final will go. Uh, in in terms of uh, how many minutes you will have to play there, um, I don't know if I want to see Jaden Sancho play 120 minutes, for example, right now. Um, so if there's a way to maybe still manage his load, that would be uh, superb. But um, in such a game against Leipzig, I I find it hard to imagine that you do not just play him for the full 90 minutes. Um, so, I mean, th- th- there was an entire week between, uh, the Kiel match and, and, uh, this Bundesliga match. So I'm actually quite confident now that, uh, Jane Sancho is actually, you know, far enough that he can handle 90 minutes against Leipzig without picking up another injury. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously in the time of, of the season where, um, some injuries can always creep in. Um, obviously, Sancho had some some longer time off, so he's not affected by that. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a weird one, and uh, I really don't know whether Haaland will be fit or not. And I also don't assume we'll find out anytime uh, soon, because usually, if it were an away game, we'd know just when the team starts traveling to set uh, away destination. But that's obviously not the case. So um, yeah, my my hunch is probably that he won't play uh, on Saturday, but then uh, feature in the cup final. But uh, you never know. So yeah, Matthias, I don't really, I don't really have a prediction yet in my head. Um, I'm 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 feeling a bit of anxiety <laughs> looking to this game. Uh, maybe even unfounded anxiety. I don't know. Um, but uh, what what do you think uh, will the final score line be? You know, it's a tough one. I unfortunately, you know, if it's, it all comes down to Leipzig and who they put in, how they rotate. Now we know Dortmund can frustrate Leipzig. Obviously they did that earlier in the season in the first really good successful match from Terzic where Leipzig had an insane amount of crosses. So if they can replicate that in that same type of scenario, then I think Dortmund will win this one to one. So I'm just going to go with a 2-1, honestly. I can't pick Leipzig to get a result against Dortmund. I just physically cannot do that. See, the, the, the thing is, Leipzig are the best defense in the Bundesliga on paper. But at the same time, I feel like um, Dortmund can certainly crack them. And uh, I obviously have a million uh, times more confidence with Haaland in the team because he is exactly the type of player that... Uh, Leipzig do struggle against, I mean, yes, they have Upamecano and Konate and they are all very fast and um, have pace to to stop a player like Haaland. But uh, the thing is, Leipzig do play with a high line one way or another and Dortmund will one way or another find a way to get in behind that and and punish that. So um, if Haaland plays, I think Dortmund will win 3-1. If Haaland does not play, um, I don't know. Uh, This this could be a draw, but um, yeah. 
for 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 the result's sake, I'm once again picking a three-one win, um, and uh, I'm going to stick to that because uh, it's I've I've failed I, I've I've fared well with that prediction. So Matthias, um, I think that sort of wraps it up. Unless you have anything other to annotate. <laughs> No, I mean, I know there's been a lot of chatter about Minoraiola and Erling Haaland, but I feel like that's that's something that we will definitely get into when there is either more substantive, that's the word, right? Yes. Real word, real news, <laughs> real word. Oh, God, is it Friday yet? Um, <laughs> or post, what a week. you know, it's when this- Wednesday. <laughs> when, yeah, when the, when the, no, it's Thursday. No, I know, but I meant the-, the, the, I, the Oh, meme. next week. Yeah, anyway. You're editing, right? Um, so, <laughs> no, I think we can get into the whole Holland-Sancho transfer saga in a few weeks when the season's done and dusted and we kind of do a review, preview type episode. Yeah, I know. This, this is also something I don't really want to think about right now, to be honest, because we're like in the in the middle of the season and uh, everything is still up to play for. I honestly don't want to think about whether Haaland or Haaland and Sancho or just Sancho are leaving and for how much money and what can Dortmund do with it? Are they going to overpay for shitty right back or uh, however uh, they would spend that money? I I know there are a lot of people right now who uh, cannot get enough of this, but I honestly um, just want to, the season to end first and then uh, I can focus on, on transfers really or at least for the season to end in terms of uh, Dortmund have nothing left to play for. Then I can uh, focus on on the next season. But uh, in the meantime, I just uh, if it's the the remaining games that Jane Sancho has, I just want to enjoy uh, that, and uh, then then we talk about everything else. I think so. Um, yeah, I think without much further ado, we can end it here. So, Matthias, please tell our listeners where to find you on the interwebs. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthiasuk. Very well. You can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. You can find all of us at Yellow Wallpot on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to subscribe to this show in its various means, then uh, please go to either YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc., or anywhere else you get your podcast. And of course, uh, if you want to contribute financially, please go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall. Um, now, I don't know if uh, there will be an episode next week because I will be in Germany and first of all I don't know if I'll bring over my podcast gear because I will travel rather lightly and I also um, don't know if I have time because it's going to be a really busy week for myself so uh, I can't promise anything but maybe I'll uh, I'll log on and record something with someone uh, on a potato microphone (laughs) we'll see Um, but uh, yeah until then uh, as always uh, thank you for listening and good 